You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, we've been on a journey through the book of John, and we are coming in for a landing today. We've had 22 weeks of messages in the book of John. You say, 22? I thought there's only 21 chapters. Well, the first chapter we took two weeks, kind of an introduction, and then into chapter one. And it has been a life-changing, challenging, discovering who Jesus is. I want you to turn with me. You're right there, John 21. Uh, But in John 20, verse 30 and 31, we see the whole point of why the Apostle John uh, spoke or kind of wrote this, bo- this book, and we want to highlight that one last time. This is the key verse of all of John. We've looked at it many, many times, but it says this, that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And here it is. This is why we have the book of John. But these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, than that by believing that you may have life in his name. And over these last few months, as we've been studying God's word, there have been many people that have surrendered their lives and have given their hearts to Jesus and have been baptized, and it has been incredible. And this morning, if you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation. Or if you're away from the Lord, today, as we reveal again who Jesus is, Today is your day for the light bulb to come on and for you to take a step in the right direction. Amen? And we're excited about that. And we could have studied this slower. I understand that. There are pastors that take months and months and months, even years to get through. But, uh, we, uh, but I do want to say this. Uh, this is not the last time we're going to see the Gospel of John pop up because it's so powerful and so incredible. Now, these last two chapters, chapter 20 and 21, we're kind of tying together. If you were with us last week, we understand that by the time you get to 20, it's the post-resurrection narrative where we have a risen Savior, we have a death conqueror, a grave robber, right? And what's great is that the resurrection brought something new. And we've looked at Revelation 21, verse 5, where Jesus at the very end of Scripture says, I am making everything new. That's what Jesus does. It's interesting that on the Sunday that we revealed that uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Pete and Deb were actually considering and accepted the position on that Monday right after that. And just as a fulfillment saying, you know what, I'm making everything new. And we walk in that. We walk in that personally and we do that as a church. But when we talk about newness, it's death to life, right? It's the old to new. It's the what's lost is now fine or now found. And what do we see Jesus doing in this post-resurrection narrative? we see him revealing himself to people, coming to individuals, pursuing. And last week we saw that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, right, who was full of sorrow, and he brought an incredible presence. He was present. And then he appeared to the disciples next, which were full of fear. Some of that fear was irrational. And Jesus, in that circumstance, he spoke life, and purpose and potential into them. And then the third appearance was that he appeared to Thomas, who was full of doubt, 
But his world had fallen apart. He had this crisis of faith. He said, I will not believe unless I see. And Jesus pursued him, and he's pursuing those that are lost in our lives. And uh, so you can be a partner in that, in the gospel. And, uh, and what Jesus did in that circumstance, he shared his story. And he showed him his wounds, and we can do the same. Our testimony, our walk with the Lord, as we share that with others, it makes a difference, and uh, it makes all the difference. And last week, of course, all that was in chapter 20. We related that to fathers, that fathers can and should do and follow Jesus' example and his testimony, his action. And today, as we change into chapter 21, there's one more interaction. And Jesus now appears to Peter. He appears to Peter. And I want to pause here just for a second. And uh, if you've been pre-reading, you understand that today we're going to look at Peter's failure. We're going to focus on the fact that Peter quit. And we're not talking about Pastor Pete. I just want to make that clear. Okay. I was, no, I was studying this, and I'm just like all week long, and I'm writing, and, and I just kind of giggle every so often. I'm like, oh, this is funny. You know, and uh, so I talked to Pastor Pete about it. I said, what do we do? He said, let's just laugh about it, and so let's just have a good laugh, right? And then I won't even mention it, I promise, from that point on. All right? So John 21, we've got this story of Peter. Oh, Peter. My heart goes out to Peter. Okay, we're not doing that. All right. And because not only was Peter's heart full of sorrow and fear and doubt, just like the other appearances, but now we're looking at someone who had experienced some serious failure, some serious mistake, and, and uh, Peter's life was full of failure. Let's go back to John 13. Uh, go back there with me uh, just quickly. In John chapter 13, we understand it's the upper room discourse. Uh, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and then he predicts his betrayal, uh, that Judas was going to betray. Uh, Judas takes off, and then in verse 36, it says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Because we know Peter was the first to jump. He was the first one to get out of the boat. He was the first one to say, God, Lord, I'm with you, right? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me. Uh, now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you, right? That's who Peter was. He, he wore his emotions on his sleeve, so to speak. And then Jesus answered this, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And it was like, what's going on? Peter, really, is going to deny Jesus? You fast forward to chapter 18, and we see all three denials, and we studied those at length a couple weeks ago. Turn with me quick to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verses 74 and 75. This is after the third denial. It says, Then Peter began to call down curses, and he swore, he swore, I don't know him. I don't know that man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus that he had been spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And the reason I bring this up is for this little phrase at the end. And then he went outside and he wept bitterly. This 
mistake moved Peter to the point of tears. After the third denial, calls down curses, wept bitterly. And then you fast forward now to chapter 20. The resurrection has happened. Peter's heard from Mary Magdalene that the tomb is empty. He runs to the tomb. He's the first to enter the tomb, right? And can you just imagine what was on Peter's mind? The questions that he would have had? Jesus appears to the disciples, and then, which included Peter, and then Jesus is gone. This is post-resurrection. Then Jesus is, uh, comes again, appears to the disciples again, but only speaks to Thomas, or at least that's all we see in Scripture. Not to, he doesn't talk to Peter specifically, and then he's gone again. Do you think that Peter may have been struggling a bit? This is not how Peter saw things going down. This is not how he thought things were going to move forward in his life. Peter had to have been embarrassed. Peter is sorting through things, no doubt. Can you imagine what it might have felt like, his struggle? He had questions. What does Jesus think? Jesus saw him at the courtyard from a distance when he denied him that third time. And he's thinking, man, what does Jesus think? What does the future hold? Imagine Peter can't see past his denial. He's got this overwhelming failure. If things are not like they were before, Jesus is in and out. They had not cleared the air. He had not had a chance to really sit with Jesus. And Peter's, and, and Peter's thinking, I'm not cut out for this. Can you imagine? I can. Now, before you're too hard on Peter, put yourself in his shoes. Have you ever been there where you've had some failure? It's hard to see the future. You feel like maybe God is at a distance. Come on, who's been there before? I know I have. And what Peter needed most, he needed Jesus to reveal himself to him. And the same is true for us. When we get down, when we're discouraged, when we've, God is at a distance, Jesus needs to come and we need to let him do that. And that's what happens in chapter 21. So chapter 21, here we go. The last chapter of the Gospel of John. Let's look at it. Verses 1 through 3 first. It says, After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, or the uh, Sea of uh, Gennesaret, um, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel uh, uh, from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And he said to them, or, and, and they said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What's happening here? Peter and six other disciples, they're going fishing. And as we understand this, as I understand that, they are kind of throwing in the towel and they are saying, I quit. Jesus had told them to go and wait, but they are now going fishing. And how many again have been there? You've given up. 
Something happened that you didn't think was going to happen. You failed in an area. You're not sure what God thinks, right? Is this worth it? Uh, the only option seems to that it is to quit, to throw in the towel. Hopefully that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen on occasion. There would be lots of questions. And here, in this case, there was questions and insecurity. They're saying, look, I'm tapping out, right? And they're back to fishing and they're back to the boat, which we're going to look at in a little bit in Luke chapter 5. It was most likely Peter's boat that he had left three years earlier. And what's interesting is when Peter says, I'm going fishing, he took others with him. And when you quit, it affects others, right? When you quit, you take people with you. The gospel mission at this point, the advancement of the gospel was at jeopardy. And they go fishing is what they used to do. And it, there's this insult to injury in the story because this is probably one of the only true fishing stories of all, right? They got skunked. There was nothing. They, they didn't even get a single fish. It's like salt in the wound, right? We're talking professional fishermen here. These, they would have went to their favorite spot at the right time of the day. Some commentators call this the first miracle in this, in this discourse. And I love it because some would say that the futility of effort apart from Jesus, it's worthless, right? Whatever we would try to accomplish on our own apart from Jesus is what they were doing. It's worthless, and certainly that picture is seen there. And then Peter has a deja vu moment. Let's look at it. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He called out to them, and he said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish. You say, deja vu, what are we talking about? Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, this goes all the way back to Peter's story at the very beginning. I want to read the discourse and then we'll talk about it. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Gennesaret, this is the exact same sea, uh, it's called the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw them at the water's edge. Two boats were there, left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and one belonged to Simon Peter, right? And he asked him to put out, out a little from the shore. He sat down, taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said to Peter, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let the nets down. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled the other partners to come in, the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. Can you imagine that type of catch? Now that's a fish story, right? Now, when Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. And he did all, and for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. 
who were Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And this, is, was Je- this was Peter's calling right here. And Jesus is taking him back to this. And he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And then look at what verse 11 says. And this is how the tie comes together, I believe, in the deja vu moment. He says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything and followed him. Peter's calling. Peter's first awareness of who Christ was, really. And he left everything. He reordered his life, his entire life. Nothing else mattered at this point. Let me ask you quick. Can you remember a time in your life when you surrendered to Jesus and you gave everything to him and you're saying nothing else matters? This is all that matters. Today may be your moment to do that, where you're saying, I'm willing to leave it all on the line for Christ. I hope and pray that you have, can think back to a moment, and if not, today is your day. Now let's talk about failure, because there's a problem with failure. Uh, fog comes in and kind of uh, erases that image of Christ that may be in your mind. Uh, when failure comes in, uh, you become distant sometimes from Jesus. And what you need is a fresh revelation of Jesus. And again, that's what happens here. Let's continue in the story. Verse 7 says, Then the disciples whom Jesus loved, that's John, uh, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped out his outer garments around him and jumped into the water. Again, Peter's first in. He's saying, I'm there. I'm going for it. I'm going to do this, right? Verse 8, I love this. The other disciples followed in the boat, uh, towing the net full of fish. They were uh, were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals where the fish was on it and some bread. And uh, what was Jesus' response at this point? Now the disciples are coming in. Did he say, you guys are just blew it again. You guys are so lame. Does he point out the hurt in their lives? Does he say, you idiots, what were you doing? You're supposed to wait for me. No, none of that. What does Jesus do? He makes breakfast, right? He lays it out, has it ready. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of that fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore, and a full, uh, it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the nets were not broken. And this is what Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Remember, a resurrected body, we talked about it last week. It's not recognizable unless the spiritual lights go on. And Jesus came, took bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third appearance uh, to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. I love this. Jesus comes and says, look, let's, let's eat together. And then, for Peter, the story goes on, and this is where it gets very personal. What Peter longed for deep down, but also was probably avoiding, at this point, Peter and Jesus, they take a walk, and they finally get to talk one-on-one. And what happens is Peter is reinstated into ministry. Now remember, last week, Jesus was full of compassion. He was tender. He was personable. He brought peace. Uh, He shared his story in love. And now 
here where Peter would have definitely been embarrassed, Jesus brings love and compassion one more time. Jesus addresses Peter's heart. And what I want us to see here is that something, uh, sometimes um, something's happening that is very deep, and that's exactly what's going to happen here uh, in verses 15 and beyond. Something deep is going on. You say, how do you know? Well, three times here, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And there's a, some debate, and I'm not going to take the time to really get into it. Um, there's different words used in the Greek, but not maybe in the Aramaic. There's some debate about that. Some people believe, or, or some commentators talk about that there were three denials, and that's why Jesus said it three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And, you know, I think of Jesus and his character, and that seems like a little vengeful maybe, and uh, just doesn't sit well with me. The way I see it, why three times did he have? to ask Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I think it's because he was just a guy. I think about it. Jessica, my wife, how many times do you say, you know, Ben, do you love me? I'm like, yeah, I love you, of course. And then if she says it again, Ben, do you love me? I'm saying, I, I might stop for a second and say, yeah, you know that I love you. And then if she gets in front of me and looks me in the eye and says, Ben, do you love me? I know something's up, <laughs> right? I mean, and, and so, I mean, something deep, something serious is coming down and in, uh, in, uh, I'm either in trouble or maybe we're going on vacation. I don't know, uh, either way. But I think that's what's happening here. And the last time that Peter and Jesus were together and saw each other face to face in a moment like this, it was deny, 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 cock-a-doodle-doo. And now Peter, where he thought it was over, Jesus sees past Peter's failure, praise God, and he reinstates him. Let's look at it. Verse 15 says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I wish we had time to really explore that than these. Um, we don't, but is it the men that are there, the disciples that were close to Peter? Was it a divided love? Was he saying, do you love me more than fishing or the nets or this way of life? I don't know um, exactly what he's talking about, um, but I think overall it's this idea of, of where does your love, where does your allegiance lie? And Jesus is calling Peter to more. Verse 16 Oh, then, oh, no, then Jesus says, feed my lambs. Um, or, or he, I'm sorry, let's back up. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, and again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at this point, he knows that something deep is going on here, something serious, something significant. And Peter, it says, was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. He had the right answer, right? You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he goes on and he says, very truly, I tell you, um, uh, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will be stretched out of your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said to, this to indicate the time of death that Peter would be glorified or would glorify God with. Then he said to him, follow me. 
Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following. So John was following behind. This was the one who had leaned against, the, the, uh, against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And then he says to Peter, you must follow me. And this is a serious moment where he's calling Peter to greatness. He's calling him to follow him. He says, don't worry about your past. He says, don't worry about if anyone else even follows. He says, you follow me. Peter, I know you failed, uh, but remember when you first got on board. Peter, I have something for you. Peter, your failure is not an indication of your future. I have something for you. Peter, nothing that you have done changes the way I see you. This is what Jesus is communicating to Peter. Peter, my love never changes for you. Follow me. Peter is all in at this point. In fact, if you fast forward in Peter's life, that little indication of how he was going to die, that being stretched out and, um, be, uh, and, and taken to a place where he did not want to go, that was, he was going to be crucified just like his Savior. But he said, I don't want to be crucified like Jesus. They turned his cross upside down. Some of you know the story. And he was crucified upside down. Peter was all in. And you know, from a moment of failure to all in, I think that's some of our destiny. And it should be when we fail. We all will fail at some time. We all do get discouraged. And we are, there are times where we're ready to give up. We're ready to quit. We're, we've been hurt in some way. Am I right? And maybe you have given up and it's been months ago, even years ago, and you see no hope for the future in regard to your schooling or a relationship or a marriage or a business. And what happens is you go back to your old patterns, just like Peter went back to fishing. Maybe for you, it's you go back to partying or you go back to the bottle or you go back to the people that you used to hang with. You go back to an old way of thinking. You go back to what's familiar, just like what Peter does in this story. And what does, Peter, or what does Jesus do in that situation and in your situation? Does he leave us? Does he write you off? No way. What Jesus does is he stands on the shore and he's waiting to reveal himself. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. You could put from all their failures. Jesus is waiting for you to recognize him on the shore. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you and bring you back to the point where you first believe. Jesus says failure is not final. Your future is bright. And what does he say in Revelation 21, 5? Behold, I am making everything new. Whatever the failure is, it doesn't matter. If you're out of work because you failed and messed up, maybe you cheated and you lost your job, or maybe you uh, have struggled financially 
and there's no food in the cupboard. Or maybe the doctor bills have got out of control. Or maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Or maybe you feel lonely, like you have no social life or no contacts. Or maybe it's a spiritual thing, that your spiritual life is dry and you're searching for something, but you don't even know what you're searching for. Maybe you feel abandoned or forsaken or desperate. Maybe it's infertility and you're saying, man, I can't even get that right. I remember being there, Jessica and I, uh, several years ago before Logan. Maybe you've got a heartbreak situation. Or maybe, and this could be the case with many that are here, maybe you've struggled and failed in regards to having victory over sin. And you don't see a plan. You have no hope that it will ever be different, whatever it is that you struggle with. But what I want you to know, and I know we're going over time today, please bear with me. You got to know this, that Jesus is on the shoreline. He's right there, and he wants to minister to you. He wants to minister to you. He's here for you. He's here. This morning, as we kind of tie all this together and wrap this up, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, Please, before you walk out of these doors, get your life right with Jesus. He's been pursuing you. In fact, if your heart is starting to beat real fast right now, um, I love that because what that is, it's the Holy Spirit working on the inside, and He wants to save you. And for those of you that are experiencing that moment where you want to quit, where you're in maybe in the middle of a failure right now, or maybe it's been a while, but you're still just kind of in the... Uh, in the sidelines and haven't got back in the game, so to speak, Jesus wants to bring a fresh revelation of himself to you. But what I want you to see in both of these cases, whether you know the Lord or you don't, um, and you, or you've, you're in a point where you need a fresh revelation, when Peter recognized that it was Jesus, when John said, this is the Lord, what does Peter do? He's done it before. He gets out of the boat and he runs to Jesus. And this morning, that's what I'm encouraging each and every one of us to do. To run. Run with abandon. Forget about the past. Jesus is not going to embarrass you. He's there to meet you. Let's pray. Father, I pray in these next few moments, God, that you would indeed reveal yourself to us. And God, for those that are away from you or have never had a relationship, I pray that they would surrender their hearts to you. And God, I pray for those that have given up or are on the verge of giving up, that this message would just strengthen, would fortify a resolve to stay in the game. And Lord, I pray that for those that are not experiencing failure today, the reality is at some point we'll have a moment where we'll want to give up and Lord, bring this message back to us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Really quickly, with everybody's eyes open and nice and wide, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, would you just raise your hand where you are? I want to pray with you. Again, we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to even bring you forward, but I want to know so we can pray. 
um, who first serviced is giving their heart to Jesus today, saying, I'm coming back, or I, I just need a relationship, never had one before. Anyone at all, first service here? Okay. I don't see any hands, unless I'm missing somebody. The second thing is, if you are here today, and you are in the thick of it, and it's hard to see the future, um, and would you just acknowledge that? I want to pray with you quick, and I've got a couple quick quotes, and then we're going to be out of here. Yeah, we got a few people. Who else saying, boy, that's where I am today. Feeling like a failure, feeling like I want to give up, ready to throw in the towel. Who else? Just I acknowledge, yeah, yeah, there's a few. And the reality is, if, if it's not today, it could be uh, soon, or it may, you may have been through it. But um, listen, God wants to meet us. He wants to reveal himself. And I want to pray a quick prayer for you. But before I pray that prayer, um, if you uh, don't know our friend Joe Lalonde uh, in the back here, um, just stand up quick. Make, stand up, yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe Lalonde. Joe, uh, he has got a blog that is highly successful, um, hundreds of thousands of people, uh, millions of views and people reading his stuff, and that's not an exaggeration, and he's right here in our church, which is, uh, blows my mind, uh, and, but he, for the last 30 days, has been doing a video challenge. Last Sundays, he talked about failure, and it was interesting, as I was listening to that, I wrote down a little phrase, and I just wanted to give you credit for this. He says, don't let failure be the end. And in regards to a motorcycle incident that he had, I'm not going to give it away and take the time. Go and look it up. It's on Facebook. You can find him, and that's great. But what's interesting is that John Maxwell talks a lot about failure, and uh, this goes back a few years, the book Failing Forward. I, I, I dug that out and just grabbed two quotes out of that. Failure is simply of the price we pay for achieving success. You got to fail. We're going to fail. But then he goes on, he says, fail early, fail often, but always fail forward. And, uh, and I really like that. And so if you're here and you're feeling like it's the end or that you want to quit, what is God trying to teach you in those types of things? Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Pray for especially those that raise their hands and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, I pray that in this moment that you would just, just saturate us with your love and compassion. Lord, that you would meet us right where we are. And God, I pray that you'd carry us through, that you'd give us a fresh perspective, and for especially for those, the several people that raise their hands saying they're at a point where they want to quit or they feel like they failed. God, minister in the only the way that you can do it. God, do a miracle in our lives. And God, bring us through, I pray. And God, I just pray right now, also, God, for those that have failed and are stuck, Lord, that they would take this encouragement from our friend Joel alone, that it's not the end, and that they would understand what, what uh, John Maxwell says, to fail early, fail often, but fail forward. And I pray that that would be a reality for us. And God, I pray now that as we leave, that you would just go before us, behind us, and all around us. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for sticking with us. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone as you leave. We love you. See you next week. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.